Good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I am Felicia King. It's a bit of an ad hoc podcast today because I felt like I really wanted to head on tackle this issue that really seems to be catching people unawares, which is email recipient items. So what can you do as an email sender to improve the deliverability of your emails? Well, this matters. This matters a, a great deal. It matters tremendously. And, you know, I, I get this thing where people say, well, what can we do about it? And then they'll say things like, well, uh, you know, we need you need to whitelist our domain. If you're having a problem receiving our emails, you need to whitelist our domain. Okay, I, I'm just, I have to do this. I really just have to do this. I think that's an intellectually weak statement. And in some ways, it's intellectually rude to suggest that I, as a recipient, should reduce the security filtration in my email system in order to spackle over or in accommodate for the potential uh, incompetence of the people who are managing the sender framework for a particular email system. And this really started to come to a big head last year around about this time, so I'm thinking September, October of 2020. You saw that Office 365 and many other email systems at that time started to create more rigorous default standards and overall more rigorous screening standards for inbound email uh, filtration. Why? Well, because there's such a, an overwhelming pile of people getting scammed, fished, ransomwared, compromised, all kinds of hideous criminal activity is being infiltrated or perpetrated on these people through the email vector. I mean, there's something in excess of 85% of breaches are coming in via an original initiated email vector. Okay, well, it makes sense to put a whole heck of a lot of effort into securing the email system then. So you'll see that there's enhanced functionality now for phishing screening, spoofing screening. It's not just spam screening. There's all kinds of enhanced functionality that exists in any of the competently managed feature-rich business class email platforms that are out there, Office 365 being the primary, the primary system. What you may not be aware of is that as of the 2021 NDAA uh, legislation, it states that by December 31st, 2021, Department of Homeland Security must implement DMARC US-wide. And this is to be implemented across all US-based email providers at scale. Hmm. Well, guess what? You can't really do DMARC if you don't have DKIM and SPF functioning correctly. And you can't get away from this rule set from coming from DHS. And by the way, CISA is now backing this with you know more enhancements. And I'll take it a step further. I have seen 
the cybersecurity insurance companies publicly analyzing the quality and efficacy of your SPF, DKIM, and DMARC configurations as part of the risk profile system. So here's basically what they're doing. They're saying, well, we're going to look at what you have done from an information technology perspective with regards to managing your sender framework for email and extrapolate that into a competency assessment about the quality of your ingress filtering, so your inbound filtering when you're a recipient of emails. And actually, I think that's, that's <laughs> It's pretty reasonable. It's pretty reasonable because I think it's a, I think it's a very reasonable statement to make to say, okay, look, if we are able to public using publicly available information assess the quality of the design of the sender framework for a mail domain. And, and it's done well, then we can presume that, and I think safely so, that the inbound side of emails is also being competently managed because it's all going to be managed by the same team. It's not as if that's some sort of split operation. So <clears throat> it is now something that you're going to be paying higher insurance premium for insurance premiums for if you don't have configured correctly. And I'm aware of last week, the Metro Milwaukee Manufacturers Area Commerce, so like basically the Chamber of Commerce for the manufacturers in Milwaukee, uh, they got hacked. And just because I was curious about it, I went and did an SPF DKIM DMARC assessment, again, using publicly available information. And it was a big giant fail on all three. The SPF was incorrectly configured. It was throwing errors. There is no DMARC record and there is no DKIM record whatsoever. So what can you extrapolate about that? You can probably extrapolate a certain level of a lack of competence or a lack of due care and due diligence on the part of whoever it is is responsible for managing that email system. So uh, we, of course, manage a whole bunch of email services for clients. And what I continue to be rather frustrated by is, you know, our clients are, their systems have good inbound email filtration technologies. And then sometimes what happens is that the things that they wish to receive are being blocked by the filtration technologies. <clears throat> and then when I go out and look at why is it happening, well, I see it's happening because something that comes from constant contact is being listed as a spoofing message. Well, why is it being listed as a spoofing message? Well, it's a very simple thing. It's because constant contact nor any of the marketing automation platforms that I've seen, and I've looked at many of them, None of them provide competent advice and competent guidance to the users of their platforms. Therefore, everything is misconfigured. So I'll give you a great example of this. 
they will tell you that it is perfectly acceptable to put marketing automation platform on the same domain as your primary email. So I'm just going to pick on um, MMAC.org here. So if they've got constant contact and uh, they've got their regular email, you know, real people sending emails, all on the same domain, then there's no separation between the marketing automation platform and the regular email system. Now the problem with that is multitudinous. From a DKIM perspective, you want, let's just say you're using Office 365, you want for your root domain, DKIM to be active for Office 365. On the marketing automation platform, what you really want is for the marketing automation platform to be on a subdomain. And that subdomain should exclusively be used for that marketing automation platform. If you have more than one that you're using, you should be using a separate subdomain for each. Now that then the marketing automation platform can generate its own DKIM record and then those DNS records can be supplemented and, and supporting that effort on the subdomain. With regards to DMARC, you then construct DMARC rules that also address the subdomains. Now here's a sticky wicket, which is that the vast majority of people do not know how to construct a DMARC record that prevents baddies from spoofing on your subdomains. So you may not even have a subdomain, but if you don't have a DMARC rule in place that prevents spoofing on subdomains, then you might have a DMARC record that is accommodative of spoofing. <laughs> so I feel like this is, it's a very intellectually dishonest request for a sender to be saying, oh, you need to whitelist our CRUD because we can't figure out how to craft DMARC, DKIM, and SPF correctly and competently in order to make our emails deliverable to you uh, in the realm of uh, email filtration technologies that are modern. Now, <laughs> Uh, these things are always seemingly to be very timely when I'm when I'm thinking about them. And so sure enough, what do I see this morning on LinkedIn? I see an article about how Salesforce as an email service is being used for phishing campaigns. And why? Well, their answers, answers are just completely, they're just completely echoing exactly what I said earlier, which is that, when a recipient makes the wrong choice to whitelist a sender, and especially a whole domain like Salesforce, then you've literally just told your email system to not filter. Don't filter. Let's just take anything that says anything that claims that it's associated with that domain as a sender, even if the body text messaging, the message headers, any of those things, if, the, if these other data components do not support the assertion that that email actually came from that sender, you know, then we shouldn't be accepting that email. 
right? Your essence of should you receive an email or not, should you be, should your system be allowing that email to be delivered into your mailbox is, okay, it says it's from the sender, but then let's look at the metadata on that email and analyze the message header amongst other components and assess does the metadata support the assertion that it actually came from that sender? So this is where the sender and their SPF, their DKIM, their DMARC records need to provide your recipient email server the data that it needs in order to be making effective decisions about, yeah, that actually did come from you. Okay, that's fine. We think it's a legit email. Now we're going to accept that. And so the world now is moved beyond this scenario where we are going to be accommodating people because of their incompetence at managing their email systems and their marketing automation platforms, etc. Because now the pushback has got to be, and I mean got to be, if you look strictly at the fact that 85% of breaches are coming through the email vector, you have to be doing your best to reduce the risk from that attack vector. One of the ways that you do that is by not having an overly accommodative email system. Furthermore, that also means you're not carving holes in your email security system. Okay? We are not going to carve holes in the email security system. Hence, just like this article that I saw here where this uh, Jeff Burt, September 3rd, 2021, Salesforce email service used for phishing campaigns. Whitelisting increases vulnerabilities. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Jeff. <laughs> That's right. How right you are. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to link this article. Uh, it's a pretty decent article he's got there. But, you know, he's just really touching on the tip of this iceberg here, which is that your entire attitude and approach towards email security now has just got to vastly change. We can't be whitelisting stuff anymore. I mean, because you've got to think about that, that, that that's like a 20-pound sledgehammer. When the reality is that maybe you don't need to be taking a 20-pound sledgehammer and carving a hole through security. Keep in mind, the bad guys only need to be successful once. Every day, every moment of every day, your organization and your organization's IT service providers must provide effective protections in order to keep your systems from being compromised. So we've got to be right 100% of the time. The bad guys only got to be right once. Not even 1% of the time. The bad guys got to find a hole just once. And they've become successful then at getting into your organization, exfiltrating data, ransomwareing your systems, creating compromises, economic destruction, reputation destruction, you know, etc. So why then would you make the business decision that says we're going to carve holes in our security 
in order to accommodate a vendor who cannot competently manage their stuff. So there is not a single marketing automation platform that I've seen who provides correct guidance. Like they don't tell you to run it on a subdomain. Now I think actually Salesforce, maybe at the really, really high level, Salesforce, what I've seen them do for some marketing automation platforms, but only when it's utilized by high-tech companies. I've only ever seen it work well from a high-tech company who understands these things. So they'll send out where the the marketing automation platform email is coming from, you know, bob at email.domain.com. And then when Bob sends a real email, it's bob at domain.com. So in that context, that's correct. And then those marketing automation platforms are smart enough to say, oh, okay, well, look, when we are putting Bob's email in the signature line of the automation, the marketing automation message, we're not going to say it's bob at email.domain.com. We're just going to do bob at domain.com. Now, Infusionsoft is too stupid to do that. I don't know why anybody's using Infusionsoft. That thing is not only a giant furry money pit, but uh, it, it has so many technical limitations and it. it's, it's revolting. There's one other really salient point you need to be aware of here, which is that it's imperative to separate out your infrastructure from things like marketing automation. You've all heard of the Can Spam Act. Let's imagine a context where someone on your team does something that manages to get your stuff stuck into uh, you know, a spam dead bucket, basically, and uh, blacklisted. So if you were running your primary infrastructure on that particular domain, then the email deliverability for your primary domain just went down to the tanker because you got yourself on a blacklist. And it's quite a lot of work to get yourself off of those lists. So that's just another really good reason why you should never be combining your marketing automation platform with the same domain as your uh, primary infrastructure. And certainly, the, if you look at a, a domain like domain.com and you say, we are going to be dead in the water we cannot do business function if we do not have that domain, then why are you doing marketing automation on that same domain? Why? Why would you put that at risk? What if you've got a monitoring infrastructure and you know ticketing and customer engagement, whatever, whatever the things are that are business critical functions that are going through that domain, why would you do marketing automation on that same domain then? Because if that domain that you're doing marketing automation on goes into a, a blacklist, then all of the emails that you send are going to be uh, into a, a black hole. It's called an RBL list, basically, but it's the it's like something like the recursive blacklist. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but suffice to say, it is a list of IP addresses of mail servers that are doing naughty things, as well as domains that are doing naughty things. And you don't want to be on the list because if you're on the list, then your stuff isn't getting delivered.
just because of that factor alone and because you don't control the master servers for the blacklist and I think there's an excess of 20 of them you've then got to have a, a fun campaign where you're going to reach out to all of these different providers and actually uh, get communicated communicate with them to convince them to take you off the blacklist and that is a level of time and a pile of time you don't have to spend on that kind of stuff so <clears throat> I have a lot of reasons why this needs to be done differently and I am disturbed by how few IT service providers understand these topics. I'm out on forums that have 10,000 IT service providers worldwide that participate in these forums and there's just, I, I don't know, I think maybe 10% of them understand the, the sophisticated approaches of these things and that might even be a high number. So anyways, I thought I would do this this show on this particular topic because it's just becoming more and more and more of an issue. I mean, I'm seeing organizations getting hacked and breached just because their email is not being competently managed. You know, people aren't doing phishing testing, phishing training. They're not doing cybersecurity awareness training. This is all just a problem. And then when these marketing departments get involved with these marketing automation platforms and then take advice from them without the input of an information security officer, for example, because don't expect your internal IT manager is going to know these things. I frankly couldn't tell you of a single internal IT manager that knows this type of stuff at the kind of level that I do. You really need to be getting your information security officer involved in these things because this becomes a policy. It's a policy of the organization. The policy says we're not going to drive a 20 pound sledgehammer hole through our email security in order to accommodate incompetently configured senders. So instead, no, we're going to have a process where if we can't receive their emails, we're going to have our IT department do an investigation, do a write-up, and then whoever the appropriate party is is going to send those communications back to the sender and say, hey, sender, we're having a hard time receiving your emails, and it appears that the problem is because your email infrastructure is not configured correctly. Would you please do something about it? And if you'd like, we can help you. <laughs> so <laughs> um, <clears throat> this is going to... It's really going to come to a head, people, in December. You better get your ducks in a row now. All right, that's it. I'm Felicia King, over and out.